politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, in the house on Thursday, December 19th, on this week when all of us are being forgotten, not just conservatives. All American taxpayers are being forgotten as Congress stuffs through the most earth shattering political changes in 3000 page bills, 2000 page bills. President was elected to stop this stuff, but it's all being signed yesterday. The historic day, which, by the way, the New York Times reports no one even cared about it. The average American didn't even know about it. it fell flat. House Democrats vote to impeach the president. And we come in today, Senate Republicans will respond by rewarding them and passing their budget bills along with all of their surreptitiously placed policy riders they stuck into bills that nobody read. And the president is going to sign it because they negotiated it and they're very proud of these bills. This is the narrative we've been pushing all week. It's the narrative that is missed on most of talk radio. It's funny, you look at the ratings for cable news and the top four shows are all Fox. If those people would say what we say on this show, we could have gotten so much more out of this presidency the last three years, especially the first two where Republicans controlled the House as well. But alas, you're stuck with me. Um, We only got two more days left here till the end of the year. Sorry for that. Our D.C. office will be off, but I'm still going to be producing written content. So we're going to have to rely on that. I'm going to try to get Chip Roy on the show at some point today or tomorrow. Um, So I'm just watching to see if, uh, you know, he checks in at all. But I wanted to give you a status update. So to be clear, there's the omnibus bills that are divided into DHS and defense in one the rest, along with all the other stuff and the other. And then there's the defense authorization bill, the NDAA. The NDAA already passed. Now, the president hasn't signed it yet, but he's going to sign it. He loves it. So yesterday, after I got off this show, we found another provision in the NDAA that we didn't even know about until left-wing immigration attorneys started bragging about it. Think about it. Trump you know, knows about this, or I mean, Trump, the White House negotiated this, evidently. That's what I'm hearing. They put it in there. Amnesty for 4,000 Liberians. So let me just say this. In many respects, this is antithetical to national defense, but if you understand the way the swamp views defense, it actually is par for the course. Invade the world, invite the world. So it's all about a bunch of money for Afghanistan, for Lebanon, involving ourselves in civil war. Oh, and bring more immigrants to the shores. Basically, what this defense bill has is this. Doesn't have anything about arming our soldiers. Doesn't have anything about on basis. Doesn't have anything about um, cutting off visas. To these dubious Saudi and Afghani training programs. Doesn't have anything about refocusing our mission in Afghanistan in light of the Afghanistan papers that were published. Doesn't have anything about properly arming our soldiers at our own border. Doesn't have anything to deal with the transgenderism and all the social engineering that continues in the military by these broken generals. Women in combat at all costs without dealing with that original Marine study, painstaking study that showed it was problematic. Anti-Christianity in the military? Nope. None of that. What this contains is amnesty for 4,000 Liberians. It contains Ivanka care, paid leave for all the federal government. Stuck in a defense bill. And it contains a provision. The Second Step Act for criminals barring federal employers hiring people for taxpayer-funded jobs from looking into criminal history of criminals. Stuck in there. This is what we have 
because we have a movement asleep. And I I heard that the Trump administration knew about the, all this stuff and agreed with it. That's what happens when you allow the shallow state to go unchallenged. And no one gets in the president's face on this stuff. So one of the many things that have happened throughout the years is that Bush, Clinton, Obama, they invented immigration programs. So they would just give amnesty to people. They invented programs that didn't exist. Total violation of sovereignty. They created the DED, the Deferred Enforced Departure for Liberians. We're not going to basically we're not going to remove you to Liberia, Liberia. We're not going to enforce your enforce the law. That's what the Bush administration did in 2007. Trump promised to end it. And then like he did with temporary protected status, he 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 uh, the, uh, hesitated. And then last March, he said, OK, I'm going to extend it another 12 months and then they have to go, which would be due this coming March. But what did they do? They put a provision in the bill permanently allowing them to remain here with a pathway to citizenship. And let me tell you, none of these people are going to vote Republican. Now, there's about 4,000 Liberians, they say. I don't know if we know that, that would benefit from it. But what has tended to happen with these programs is they, they once they hear about it, they come here and then they benefit from it and get more, even though they came after the cutoff. But lawlessness begets lawlessness. What's so offensive about this is, is several things. Number one, national defense is all about what's antithetical to defense, which is, uh, you know, bringing in uh, criminal aliens, allowing criminal aliens to stay. Number two, we give the Liberian government about 113 million in aid. They're putting their stuff back together. It's post Ebola. It's post civil war. Now's the time to repatriate their people and build your own country, especially because we're helping them do it. But we do both. We fund them over there and then but then bring them over here, which is, again, that undermines, you know, the whole uh, continuity of of their rebuilding by by, you know, because whenever you have emigration, it really undermines the notion and the perception that the country is rebuilding and developing. Um, so it's not good for them. But that's what we do. It's always America last. We always doing for everyone else. Bring them here, fund them there. In the defense bill. And then also what's so offensive is the same thing that's offensive about DACA. Is that every time a president violates the law and does amnesty unilaterally, Congress comes in and backfills it by codifying it. That's the exact opposite of the way legislation is supposed to work. Meaning even if the thing weren't harmful as an end to itself, I think Congress should always punish a president certainly not codifying something that he did unilaterally. It's it's a horrible precedent that a president will just give amnesty to anyone and, oh, well, once it's given, we can't take it away. Congress will come in and codify it. Page 2659 of this 3,400-page conference report. Liberian Refugee Immigration Fairness. Where is the fairness for the American people? Why is it that, that at the end of the year in defense bills and appropriation bills is always more for illegal aliens, always more for aliens, nothing for the American citizen, nothing to deal with, no, no snuck in provision saying, hey, ICE, we're clarifying detainers and sanctuary cities. No, nothing about the 2,500 illegal aliens that murder every single year. Um, 14, 15,000 sexual assaults uh, from this year, according to ICE. No, nothing about that. It's always about them. In addition, in addition, 4,000 more SIVs, special immigrant visas from Afghanistan. Right when the Washington Post published the, the, the Afghanistan papers demonstrating the perfidy of the Afghan war in general, but in particular, the this this mythical notion of of training a Afghani military. Again, we go over there so we could bring them over here. It's Orwellian. But what's so insidious is that they put this in a. Um, a defense bill that has a pay raise for the troops, forcing members into this thing. Oh, well, either you get ads run against you by your opponents that you voted against the troops or we stick stuff that's antithetical to the military's mission, to national security, to homeland security. 
and it's all stuck in there. So, so sad. Um, but that, that, that's what we've been doing. All governance is done by the courts and the bureaucracies, and the few things done by Congress is, may as well be done by the bureaucracies because there's no transparency. They stick it into 3,000-page bills. If For nothing else, the president should veto it because of this, but he won't. Has banned the box. Members of Congress didn't know about it. But guess what? The White House did know about it because they want it. The Second Step Act for criminals before doing a first step to fulfill his campaign promise of um, doing things for victims of crime and law enforcement. There are so many loopholes that allow the worst criminals to get out. I mean, you had in the news this week, Curtis Flowers, this guy who murdered four people in cold blood in Mississippi. Kavanaugh writes a majority opinion a couple months ago, overturning his conviction, saying that it was a racist striking of the jury pool, meaning the evidence is clear he did it. The eyewitnesses are clear he did it. There's no legitimate allegations of taint of the juries that did make the conviction. But they're saying it's the people that were struck from the jury were black. Even if that were true, that could never get standing to overturn a conviction to, to get a windfall benefit to the defendant. There's nothing to do with the defendant. As Clarence Thomas said in his dissent, Flowers v. Mississippi, yet this week, pursuant to that ruling, this guy's out on bail. There's so much of that in this country because of endless loopholes that every year the federal courts create more rights for criminals that are antithetical to what's in the Constitution, antithetical to our original practice dating back to the time of our founding, often for 200 years thereafter. But Trump had to give us the Second Step Act in this bill. Yeah, take that, Democrats. It's so hard to sympathize with the guy. I mean, and, and if you think about it, there's such a perfect opportunity. The Democrat poll, polling number is going down. No one cares about impeachment. Now Pelosi's talking about not sending a message to the Senate and keeping in the House. That's the worst thing for them because they look like they're guilty. Like you so badly think he's, he needs to be impeached. And they're like, oh, I'm not sending it to the Senate for a trial. They look like fools. And McConnell, for once, I agree with him. He's taking my advice and is going to summarily dismiss it, not hold the whole trial. This is the perfect opportunity. Don't give away your leverage with the budget bill. So, so he's going to sign the NDAA, that I know. But the budget, but don't sign it. Just call for a clean CR and then kick the Democrats while they're, while they're down. Every day, the president needs to tweet out another case of an illegal alien murderer. ICE has 2,500 a year. It's so hard for me to get a hold of it and get them to confirm the status. Trump should have all that information. He should have someone from ICE permanently detached to the White House um, and the media shop and the social media shop to tweet this stuff out every day, build the case every day against sanctuary cities and have a massive fight. That is how you win back the House. That is how you win re-election. That's the most. Th th this is really the most offensive thing about what the president's doing. He's giving away his leverage between the NDAA and this. There's nothing left. So even if you have terrible stories that come out about, um, you know, sanctuaries and stuff that you could have leverage to then put in a budget bill, you already gave away the budget bill. And they're definitely not going to fight the budget September 30th, that close to the, to, to, to the election. Even though, in my view, that's exactly the time to do it, but I know they're not going to do it. So what's their excuse? So someone from OMB reached out to me yesterday. And there's always an excuse. They thought they got a great deal. Remember, this didn't just happen. Oh, like, will the White House, will Trump veto it? The White House negotiated this, okay? So let's just be very clear about this. They think they got a great deal. It's all about shiny objects and talking points while the left gets results. It's the wall. They're so happy that they got $1.37 million in funding 70 miles of border wall. What they don't understand is the 70 miles of border wall, which, by the way, is the bollards, not the wall he promised. 
and you saw some of those videos with them cutting through it. Now, I know that they were and scaling it. Now, I know they were caught and that proves the point. it does slow them down and it proves the point we've been saying all along. It's a force multiplier, but it's not exactly what he promised. And, and there are better. Um, better prototypes that were prohibited by Congress, um, even when Trump controlled all three branches. Here's the deal. I am the one who was talking about the opportunity to get wall funding in every budget bill and CR in 2017 and 2018 when they had all three branches. So don't piss away the two years and then come to me now like, oh, well, Daniel, look, we have to agree to this crap because 70 miles of border wall. You should have gotten 500, 700, 1,000 miles when you controlled all three branches. Don't, don't give me the 70 miles. 70 miles is nothing. There's still plenty of ways for the cartels to get their people in then. Here's what I want to explain to you. The MS-13 provision that they put into this bill is 10 times worse than, than, than the utility of the 70 miles of border wall. Not just because interior enforcement and ICE has become more important than the border and CBP for many reasons that we've explained, but because that provision affects the border directly, the new flow, not just getting rid of the ones already here. What that bill does again is there's a phenomenon where um, illegal aliens go and they come here to work, you know, on farms or whatever. They come here, let's say the males alone, and then they try to get in their children. OK, so they hire cartels to traffic them in. It's a win win for them. It's a perfect thing because we our government erroneously against law treats them as refugees. So. We treat their own insidious illegal alien chain migration and empowerment of human smuggling and trafficking for the cartels that gives them money to then kill us with drugs and gangs, pay for the rope to kill ourselves. We treat them as refugees, resettle them on our dime and hand them to them. What this provision does is it goes a step further and it says you get rewarded for doing that, that we cannot deport the parents and families doing this. That is so dangerous. Remember, it's not just because we can't deport them. It's encouraging a new border flow. Now, here's the deal. This only has 70 miles of border wall. There's 2,000 miles. But even if you had 2,000 miles of, of, of fencing, our government treats them as legal immigrants, right? They're unaccompanied minors. We treat them as refugees. So they can and have been coming to ports of entry and we'll let them in and we'll reunite them and they come and sponsor them and give they get amnesty. This is such a dangerous provision. Whenever you tether immigration benefits to something, it creates a, a huge market for it because it's a very powerful tool. This is true with the EB5 visas, selling citizenship for those that, you know, invest in America. It's true for illegal immigration. So all those with family, they're going to traffic them. If you don't have family, it encourages them to get amnesty to steal a kid. It's creating an industry. Remember, there were three big loopholes, florists, family units, and unaccompanied alien children. The first two, they finally closed. The unaccompanied alien child thing, they did not close. So that's still out there. They're still, this is going to encourage them to come. It's already happening. That is worse than the utility of 70 miles of border wall. That provision has to come out. It has to come out. So that's the punchline you need to understand. But they're so caught up with the shiny object of, oh, a, a campaign promise of a border wall. Don't piss away the two years when you could have gotten as much as you want and then screw us on everything else now and give away your leverage just for, for, for 70 miles. Give me a break. There's a reason why two thirds of Democrats voted for that separate bill, despite knowing that was in there. And even the other ones could have been convinced to vote for it. On net, they got what they wanted. But the White House thinks they they were so clever. Oh, they like tricked the Democrats. They they got such a great deal. So that's what's going on. I just wanted to update you from that perspective. Um. You know, and it, it, it just it, it doesn't have to be this way.
the conservative movement on the show. Now, the conservative movement is evidently one person, um, and it looks like Chip Roy actually is available today between votes on various 3,000-page bills. Um, so with no further ado, Congressman Chip Roy from Texas 21, thanks for joining us again today. Hey, Daniel. Thanks for having me on. Uh, good to be on your show as always. Hey, Chip, uh, your office, I know those offices are very stuffy, but it's actually quite large to contain and fit the conservative movement. Here's the question my listeners keep asking me all week. Why is there only one congressman talking about any of the civilization issues that matter? And not just matter when Obama's president, when it's terrible, we complain, but there's not much we can do about it. But matter when there is someone in the White House who has put out the best budget proposals since Reagan, who is open to almost everything we want to do on immigration, a lot on health care. And yet every time we have a leverage point, we toss an interception, go backwards, and everyone's just on political morphine, not saying anything. Well, look, I think what everybody needs to keep in mind is impeachment has been taking up a lot, taking a lot of the oxygen out of the room and uh, a lot of people's focus. We've got a lot of our good guys who have been spending a lot of time on that, myself included. Uh, but but others have been carrying the mantle. Uh, Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, others that have been, I mean, round the clock, you know, hitting the TV uh, screens and making the case against impeachment. And so that has uh, you know taken a good amount of attention. And that's sort of the collateral damage that you get when you get a Democratic Party that runs amok the way that Speaker Pelosi has done so. But you're absolutely right that we have a small group of us who are willing to actually stand up and fight for limited government and particularly fight the spending fight right now. Um, I was literally the only person, and that's not to criticize any of my fellow members who I think share my belief system that we need to limit spending, but it's a part of the, the, the uh, impeachment fight that a lot of guys were distracted. But I was the only guy on the floor of the House uh, that said anything against the spending bill two days ago when we passed a 2,300-page, $1.4 trillion bill that we only had 22 hours to read. And I think that's somewhat um, indicative of what they, they successfully do when they jam it down our throats right before Christmas. People are tired. They do want to get home for Christmas. Uh, it's uh, uh, Impeachment uh, was the big focus for the week. None of those are real excuses, in my opinion, when our, our guys 75 years ago at the Battle of the Bulge, I'm sure they didn't want to be hanging out in foxholes, getting assaulted by 200,000 Germans and 1,000 Panzers in the frozen tundra uh, of Europe and, and, and have to deal with that. I, I'd assume they'd rather be home. Same with George Washington crossing the Delaware uh, 200 odd years ago. But uh, this is the reality of the world we're living in right now. And we've got to do a job focusing on 2020, we conservatives on defining what we're going to expect out of conservatives and Republicans generally. There should be no wiggle room here. This should be our moment to say, this is what you're going to do, or we're going to be done with you. That is what we have to say very clearly in 2020. I mean, we, we the people, we the people need to say, you're going to start putting us on a path to balance and it's gonna look like this. You're going to limit spending, you're going to cut spending, and you're not going to vote for any more of these bills. We're going to freeze and cap spending and get it fixed. We're going to get health care freedom in place. You're not going to play the games. You're not going to go do all this pre-existing conditions uh, make up by coming in and saying, oh, we're going to create government programs to solve that instead of doing what we should do, which is get you to your doctor that will eliminate the pre-existing condition problem in the first place. And we need to demand we secure our borders, and we need to demand that we have sensibility and a mission in Afghanistan. These are the core issues the American people care about. We've got to define it, force the president and Republicans to run on it. And we force their feet to the fire. So, Chip, here's my problem. This didn't start with impeachment. In fact, Republicans had all three branches for the first two years. And qualitatively, I was saying the budget bills are bad they're not really any worse than they were when they had all three branches. It's about the same um, in terms of both the provisions and the spending. The first two years, it was right. Mueller. Then it was this. I'm telling you in a second term, it's going to be other stuff. The, the point is this. The Democrats adapt. So they're not like, hey, we're, we're done. 
they're like, all right, you're appointing judges. Well, we're going to double down and go to our judges and get even more extreme stuff. Oh, you're going to do stuff on immigration. Well, aside from going to the judges, we're going to go in 50 percent of the states that contain 70 to 80 percent of the illegal aliens and thwart federal immigration law. So in terms of results, they are actually moving the ball forward. They're going to continue that next term. And my concern is that because of the modern technology of social media everyone is fighting micro battles of statements and reactions while in the enduring civilization battles every time we have a leverage point intersecting with something in the news that speaks to an achievable result in other words i'm not saying oh let's in the budget bill get rid of the great society i'm talking about afghanistan that everyone the Washington Post universally recognizes a problem. You have a defense bill and a budget bill. And rather than addressing it in some ways, you throw another four point two billion at the Afghani military. You bring in another four thousand um, Afghanis from the war in the NDAA. You give amnesty to four thousand Liberians in the NDAA. You have another jailbreak provision ban the box in the NDAA. Center for Immigration Studies has another parole provision they found in there. There's some social engineering provisions in there. It's a 3,400 page conference report. Yet they put it in there knowing that the bill is sold as giving a pay raise to the troops. And nobody is saying stop and let's vote on these things separately. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, let's take them in a, in, a, in a couple of blocks. Let's think about the things, though, that are much better because of you, because of the conservative movement, because of those of us that have run and gotten elected. Let's think about what we've been able to do to move the needle on, on a positive front, right? Miles of 30-foot-high fencing is, in fact, getting built. There are uh, considerably more people now who understand the extent to which cartels are operating our border. I know what you're going to say to that, but, but bear with me. We have a sizable block of people now who are paying attention to the fact that cartels are running our border. The president is pushing back on Mexico and using return to Mexico to slow the tide. And we have at least some pressure to try to get more resources to Border Patrol, some bipartisan conversations to do that and recognize that reality. I can go through some other lists, but we know, and you and I know, we have a lot more to do there. We need to actually solve the border security problem with asylum reform, Flores catch and release, TVPRA fix, more resources for ICE and Border Patrol, finish the, the fence, the wall, and uh, importantly, designate cartels as terrorists, which some here hand ring uh, and ignore the fact that I, Mark Green, and some others have been leading on this issue and saying we ought to designate these specific cartels as terrorists. Um, and we, ought, we, we need to keep pushing forward on that. But my point is, everybody watching this, you should be mindful of the positive things that are occurring. You started this by saying you've got a president and certain people in this administration willing to challenge the, the sort of established order. You rightfully point out that in 2017 and 18, with all three, the White House and the Senate and the House, we squandered it. I say we loosely, I wasn't here, but the House and the Senate squandered it. We know that. What we need to do is drive an agenda in 2020 and make 2021 be the year that we, we, the conservative movement, are defining specifically what we expect. Too much of 17 was basically catching up to the fact that Trump won. We didn't do a good enough job defining what we were expecting in the spring of 17. And we allowed the, the leadership in the House to screw up, just to be very blunt about it, healthcare and um, uh, but the Obamacare repeal and lack thereof, and border and immigration. They screwed both issues up and there was a backlash by voters. And I think that is what hurt us as much as anything in the 2018 elections. So now we're trying to come back. The world has now seen what a crazy leftist Democratic House looks like. We've got to make a case for why conservatives should be driving the agenda in 2021. The last point I'll make, we have not tried a truly conservative agenda in as long as I can remember as a congressional body. We should try it. Because I can tell you, the 15% approval ratings for Congress are never going to get better as long as Congress continues to fail to do its job to balance the budget, secure the border, restore health care freedom, make sure men and women have a clear mission. 
and then get the hell out of the way of the people in the states. I mean, Chip, think about it. Congress with a 15 percent approval rating. The president has a perfect opportunity to put on a press conference, deliver the thousands of pages of both these bills, um, have it as a prop in front of him and say these lazy bums who didn't do their work on impeachment, no firsthand witnesses, no evidence. They do the same thing legislatively. They don't work for a whole year. And then they insidiously put Good in point. their loser stuff that couldn't pass on its own volition. So they slip it in and I would read some of this stuff. And then I think the American people would understand pass a clean CR so we could learn what's in here, debate the provisions. And then as things happen in the world, as Pensacola's happen, as criminal alien crises happen, according to ICE, there were 2,500 homicide charges among one year's batch of those subject to ICE detainers. As these stories happen, you drive the case against sanctuary cities to defund them. We've never tried that. And I, I think you're right, people get it. That's why you have to inform them this is even going on. So l let me jump in here, and I, and I wouldn't want to interrupt you. You're on a, you're on a roll, uh, to quote Animal House, right? <laughs> Don't stop him, he's on a roll. But um, it's really important what you just said there. We need to take advantage of the fact that the eyes of the world have been upon the Democrats and what they've been doing here in the House. And we need to focus on this is what they do on all of these issues. They're jamming through stuff with reckless abandon without regard to any kind of serious debate and conversation. Hell, even the impeachment, we didn't have a debate. Everybody got up and gave 90 second spiels. It's why I focus my 90 seconds on what we're not doing for the American people. I focus my 90 seconds on the issues you and I have just been talking about. But we need to make that clear to the American people. And then secondly, I think it's really important that people understand that on the spending front, it is defense and the war effort that drives all of our spending woes mm. because we should fund. Continuing engagements without a clear mission, and it's really not an excuse <clears throat> to spend money we don't have in the name of defense. So we've got to make that clear. Look, you ask, how do we do this? We need to focus as we head into 2020 and look to 2021. They just passed this bloated bill. The president is going to sign it tomorrow. I hate that. He should veto it. He should jam it down the throats of Congress. He should make Congress override his veto. I looked at the president on the floor of the House, and I said, Mr. President, I look forward to your veto, because he should veto it. But he won't, because in part, bad staffing, telling him he should sign yep. it. We need to focus now on what? Next September 30th, when this funding ends, what's next? We should be demanding a clean CR at low levels from a, for a certain period to get through the election, and then focus on a 2021 fight to actually limit the size and scope of government and spending, and we should make it a central issue. For one last point, it's not just about debt. It's not just about the $100 billion of debt per hour that we're racking up. It's about funding the very bureaucrats who are taking away your freedom, funding the very bureaucrats that in the State Department are sitting around trying to figure out how to target the president, funding the very programs that interfere with states and interfere with localities, funding the very people who are trying to help more people come through illegal channels, not stopping them, funding the very people that are interfering with doctors being able to provide health care to you. This is what we're funding. We just sat in a hearing where I'm not making this up. We had a bill that was being put forward to create a government entity, a, a, a program and, and bureaucrats to bring people together to try to respect federalism. Do you know how you respect federalism? Stop doing crap like that. Stop creating more bureaucracy. Stop spending more money we don't have. Leave things to the states. Honor the Constitution. But this is what we deal with here in crazy town. Well, they mean the things that are supposed to be the federal government doing, like immigration enforcement, give to right. the states, but only to thwart it, not the states that want to enforce immigration right. law. Then it's federal. Right. So heads they win, right. tails they win. But um, I know you're you're running out of time in a couple of minutes. You got to run um, a couple more things here. What I found fascinating about this budget bill. Unbelievable. So they repealed the Obamacare tax increases. And you think, wow, that's that's the holy grail. And then lo and behold, all but seven Democrats, so like 230, 
voted for it. And the reason is so what it contained was it got rid of the few things about Obamacare the industry didn't like, but then it got the risk carters bailouts. It expanded and reauthorized so many more programs in the subsidies, expanded Medicaid in a couple of places. And then um, it also got rid of or prohibited some of the stuff the administration was doing or wants to do with regulatory reform that they were trying to do through HHS. It prohibited it. And then so you got the perfect mix. So people like like your uh, opponent um, is running and say, oh, these Republicans like Chip Roy, the, the big healthcare industry, these guys, for all their talk about Obamacare, they're willing to even repeal officially, officially a portion of it's not really Obamacare. It's the funding mechanism because they are so in the back pockets of the healthcare cartel. You know, I just thank you so much for focusing on that. And frankly, I, I need to build because I had to run through all the impeachment stuff this week and go through the omnibus and come to a decision on voting. I've only got pieces of all of that. We're still pulling it all together because we got so much going on. But you're right. You just outlined all of the things or not even all a portion of the things that are wrong with respect to the omnibus spending bills that we just voted on with respect to health care and Obamacare. This bill perpetuated the omnibus that a bunch of Republicans just voted for, including some who like to go around pontificating about how, oh, this is actually a good bill. You need to know that this is a good bill. Uh, despite some problems and concerns, we should vote for this because it's a good bill for good. No, this is a terrible bill from top to bottom. No Republican should have voted for it. No Republican should go around talking about how it's a great bill. And Obamacare was entrenched and made uh, stronger by virtue of the fact that they just repealed some of the provisions. Remember, we used to go around and talk about how partial repeal was bad, right? Because we knew that if you started peeling out some of the unpopular provisions that are cor have corporate interests, there would be less pressure to repeal. Well, them. Democrats proved because, our point. Right. And so Democrats went along with it. Or some Republicans went along with it. And now here we are. You got rid of you know, the medical device tax, which, all right, great. I get it. I, did, I don't love that tax. But those taxes, medical device tax, the health insurance tax, which is a big bailout to the insurance companies, and the Cadillac tax, all of that, that stuff, getting rid of that, reduces pressure to want to repeal Obamacare. It helps subsidize the very industries that were in the hip pocket of government in this crony insurance uh, non-capitalistic system where we've got insurance running your health care. This is just what is so frustrating. And we've got now the same people who think they're fixing everything by voting for that bill now want to support legislation that will now redo the DPC world, the direct primary care world, with legislation that will actually stick it to direct primary care. And they'll all do it in the name of helping them because it'll let them use health savings accounts. But guess what? They'll regulate the crud out of that DPC mm. in order to get them to the health savings accounts. This is what is wrong with this town. Do something, Itis. You got members who come here. They want to go do their fancy little videos walking around D.C. And they want to go show, look at me. I'm doing something that's great for my constituents. And in fact, you're joining the very club, the very entity that is destroying freedom on a regular basis, limiting your ability to succeed at home, rising health, uh, raising your health care prices, spending money that your kids and grandkids will have to pay off in the future. Uh, and it's just it's so frustrating to watch. But our job is to bring all that to the attention of the American people and demand change in 2020. OK, one more thing. I just want to come back to spending. Um, I found this astounding. It shocked the consciousness of a nation during Obama's first year, the degree of spending we had. No, nobody could believe it. And I went back and I looked, whoa, how much did we spend for the first two months of his first fiscal year, which would have been FY 2010, um, October and November of 2010? The spending tab was $471 billion. First two months of this fiscal year. It was 814 billion, almost double. And that was when we had 10% unemployment. Revenue was in the toilet. People were understandably on a lot of the programs. Here we have 3.5% unemployment, record revenue. And it's like, dude, like people are like, oh, Trump was never going to be a, a, a cutter. Well, first of all, he actually, aside from Social Security and Medicare, he actually did promise it. And he is open to, to that. And his budgets reflected that. But there's not cutting spending. And then there's like, for example, I looked at the Department of Education this year. They're going to get 19.3 percent higher spending levels than what Trump Trump outlined in his budget. Like you said, I mean, that's creating Democrat voters. 
So I wish I could say anything there, but other than that, this is the problem. Uh, we have, you know, we had 120, I don't know the exact numbers, you know, basically two thirds of the Republicans who were willing to vote no in the House. We have a handful of Republicans in the Senate who are willing to vote no on a $1.4 trillion spending bill that we had 22 hours to read. So I'm glad a majority of Republicans voted no, but as you point out, didn't matter. It's gonna sail through to the Senate despite the fact that seven Democrats voted against it and 120 Republicans voted against it, the Senate's going to pass it and the president's going to sign it. Mm. Why? Because they all sit in the corner and they all sit there and hand ring and they cry and they mutter to themselves that they might lose power if they, oh no, we might have a government shutdown. How about stand up, fight for what you need to do to make the point to the American people about what we're doing and responsibly do when you have people working for government like TSA and others, figure out how to make sure they're getting paid for working on behalf of the people. But you gotta have the ability to stand up and say, we're not gonna fund government this way. And we don't have a majority of, of people in this town that will do that right now. So my final question is this, in light of that, where do we go from here? I know some of these things could get gimmicky with <clears throat> these events and you know accords and right. pledges. But isn't there a need for some of your colleagues to get together and say, look, OK, we've spent the first term on Mueller, on impeachment. I know people have been, have been busy, but people need to know that you have been on oversight and judiciary, which intersect very much, if not more than any other committee with a lot of this stuff. And still, you found time to deal with other issues of sus substance. But nonetheless, that there's got to be a point where, OK, we're not winning this. The judicial supremacy is getting worse. The spending is insanely getting worse. And that's why I believe we're getting 2% growth despite 3.5% unemployment. You track that since World War II, we've never had that mix. Usually, if you have a protracted period of 3.54% unemployment, you're getting 3 to 5% um, GDP growth. We have It's, it's very interesting. Um, you look at, again, the sanctuaries. We have immigration enforcement under Obama levels as a result of that. Um, you look at so many measures and the left is getting results by hook or by crook. Sometimes it's illegal. Um, like with immigration enforcement, they are violating the other leg of federalism. As I always say from Madison, um, right. the articles of confederation were changed because they didn't want people um, being accepted on loose terms in one state and being able to screw over other states. He literally said that in Federalist 42, that's being violated. Don't we need some sort of i don't know if it's a document i don't know if it's a series of statements where a group of people say this is what you are getting as republicans yeah. this is what conservatism means because frankly it doesn't seem like most people know what that even means anymore yeah so daniel i agree uh, i've had some conversations with some of my colleagues and a few people outside of uh washington out off the hill about where we need to go and i think we're gonna we're gonna be trying to get some of that out there um Still need some work. I mean, the problem here is there's so many things we need to be focused on. It really is zeroing in and saying, okay, what do we want to make 2020 about? And the president has the biggest megaphone. So our job is to be able to define a specific agenda that's going to be in line with where we think the president is going to be strong and advance that agenda to define what we expect, to force it to be a part of the discussion of the campaign, and then make 2021 be the accountability year. And I'm serious when I say this. Uh, Republicans should be thrown out on their ear in the primaries uh, in 2021 if we don't, or I should say heading into 2023, right? So 2022 oh, elections. If we run in 2020 and we put out a conservative agenda and we start talking about things we're going to do and we come into 2021 and we fail, Republicans in the primaries for 2022 election cycle should be destroyed. I just want to go on record saying that. Republicans should be destroyed in 2022 in the primary cycle if they fail to do the job at hand in 2021. And 2020 needs to set the table for that. And we need to say it out loud and we need to set the expectations. And I'll tell you right now, my expectations, we will be heading to balance. We will limit spending and it will be frozen. We will be securing the border, not just oh, let's walk away. We built like 150 miles of some fencing in areas where we already had some fencing and then let's walk away. No, no, that's 2%. Let's get to 100%. Let's secure the border. 
and we should have healthcare freedom. None of this claptrap that these Washingtonians like to talk about, where they can go around and run and talk about how they're giving everything to everybody. No, healthcare freedom. So I can go to my doctor. So I can get the insurance of my choosing, doctor of my choosing, the care of my choosing. And we should have a serious discussion about how much we're demanding of the half of 1% of this population who are defending the United States and that we're asking them to risk their lives, that we're spending blood and treasure. I want to know why. I want to know why we're in Afghanistan. I want to know why we're in Syria. I want to know why we're in any of the 12 countries that we're currently in 18 years after the authorization of force in 2001, where we now have people who are 18 years of age who have enlisted, who were not alive when we passed that authorization. It is time for clarity. Those are the four things I think we should be heavily focused on in the big picture. But I think there are a few other areas that you've talked about, and I'm going to just list them, but we can't talk about them because i got to go vote. But crime, we got to deal with the, the, the criminal resurgence in this country because of the pendulum shift too far in this kind of uh, fit of, of criminal justice reform way. Gun violence. We're now, true well, we're true gun out. violence. We've got gangs that are expanding because of our broken borders. We've got a serious criminal justice problem in our country. And the criminal justice problem is that we've got criminals who are out and harassing law-abiding Americans. We need to make sure that there are other areas that we're focusing on and judges and guns and other things that are important to our liberties. But if we can't balance the budget, if we can't start limiting spending, then we're going to keep funding the bureaucrats that are attacking our freedom. And we need to do something about it. And Republicans need to be held accountable in the process. Amen. But um, hey, look, man. I appreciate everything that you're doing and, and uh, all your listeners and everybody who watched the show. And, uh, you know, this is a season for all of us of different phases to be very thankful and know uh, what, what what we've got. And that it's it's a much bigger uh, world out there in terms of what we're supposed to be focused on than the, whatever lunacy is going on in Washington, D.C. So everyone should be with their families and enjoy their families and remember that there's a lot to be thankful for. And that uh, this town isn't where we should be focused. It really is. As the New York Times said today, most Americans uh, just shrugged it off, didn't even know it was taking place. Chip, yep. thanks for joining us as always. Thanks for all you do. Merry Christmas to you and, and Kara, your family. Um, let's come back reinvigorated in this new year and, uh, and make this the year we finally turn the corner. Amen. We'll do it. Alrighty. God bless. Take care. That was Chip Roy, Texas 21. You guys need to Google Congressman Chip Roy. I mean, he wasn't going to promote this from his own congressional office, you know, which is in D.C. Um, campaigning. But, you know, the funny thing is Chip is the most aggressive in articulating a vision. And notice it's not even that partisan. It's just it's not like, oh, how conservative this is. Democrats, this he truly speaks from the heart. And I think if you had a party that actually articulated like him, we wouldn't just galvanize a conservative base, but we'd actually bring in a lot of people. But I would just say, like, it's not like he's doing this from a R plus 35 district, like some of the other clowns in, in Texas that are terrible. I mean, he has a rapidly changing district that, you know, Democrats came within a couple points last election it was a bad year for the, for them. Um, but he's going to have Wendy Davis. Now, I know she's kind of a buffoon, but um, she's going to have millions of dollars. And, and Chip, precisely because of the stances he takes, that he's not in the back pocket of the industries, he doesn't get money from them. I mean, do you think healthcare is going to give him money after what he says? No, um, they'll give money to these progressives that are, are there for the little guy, but but not to him. So. If you guys want more people like that, I mean, we got to take yes for an answer. Go and contribute to his campaign. I can't think of a more worthy cause, a guy that's more committed to doing this. Um, and again, notice he he wasn't just going to sit there and just bemoan like I've been doing this week. He certainly is just as frustrated as I am. He's trying to at least open up a path, talk with other people. All right. I know it's kind of Lucy in the football, but maybe next year. I mean, here's here's the baseline we need to set. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, I don't people accuse me of complaining, but despite everything I've said this week and and them throwing all of my leverage points in the garbage, I'm going to still look for new leverage points. Here's what we can do on this given day. That's what we're always going to do every day that we wake up. God gives us opportunities to do what's right. And we're going to continue doing this into the new year. We're going to focus more on some of the primaries, congressional primaries that no one's focusing on. Send me from your districts, people you think I should focus on. I haven't been doing that enough. We're going to focus on some state issues, going after some rhino governors for bad things they're doing, more bite-sized, more achievable things. If you harness national focus on state issues where Republicans control all three branches of government, maybe there's stuff we can do. 
But um, that that's what we're trying to do here. And, uh, you know, I'm just uh, really thankful for him. This is a man that ran for office and is running for reelection for all the right reasons. I mean, you think he really cares or needs it, you know, for 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 a living? No. Um, but he knows that if he doesn't lead it, really, there's no one else there to lead. Um, there's a lot going on. The Center for Immigration Studies put out a report today noting that Trump states will lose 24 seats because of immigration, um, about five or six because of illegal immigration. It's an unbelievable report. I'm going to have a write-up on that. Um, it just demonstrates how stupid Republicans are. They care about nothing other than getting reelected and then doing nothing with it. But ironically, by them joining the left with immigration, you're going to make yourself into oblivion. I mean, think about this. We have all these immigration provisions stuck in both the budget bill, the omnibus bill, the defense bill. We have the worst criminal alien sanctuary crisis ever, which is not just an immigration crisis, but it's really a federalism system of government crisis. You know, the same way it's a crisis when the feds steal state issues. It's a crisis if the states are allowed to steal a federal issue. The founders wanted a certain balance on, on a n- number of issues for a certain reason. But people like Mike Lee, who's regarded as the most conservative, he is fighting to this minute. I mean, I don't think he'll succeed, but in getting this Indian immigration handout to, to get basically five a, a new pathway to green cards, a backhanded way for 500,000 Indians who are going to vote Democrat. And we have a tremendous amount of immigration from India. We don't need more. When is enough ever enough? It's always about the immigrants and not about the current citizenry. I mean, at least have a 50-50 balance. Like, you know, if Mike Lee were pedal to the metal fighting to the death against sanctuaries and criminal aliens and all the stuff we talk about, all right, he wants the Indian handout. Okay, I, I, I could forgive that. But it's always only about them. This is the Republican Party we have. Um... We need more Chip Roy's. I don't know how you get them. I mean, that, that that's a, a big part of the problem because a lot of guys come in with good intentions, but they're not smart enough to know the system and they think they're fighting the swamp, but they're becoming part of it. He um, He's the only one who really understood ahead of time what he was getting himself into. Chip's a big reason why Ted Cruz's first two years were blockbuster, um, you know, while he was chief of staff there. So again, you know, what could we do? What could we do? First of all, pressure your county officials and your governors not to take in more refugees. Number two, donate to Chip's campaign. Tomorrow will be, God willing, our last show of the year. Unfortunately, um, we'll make the best out of it. I'm going to try to get Steve Dace on for an end of year wrap up. Let me know what you want him to discuss. Till tomorrow, same time, same place. God bless you all. And thank you for listening.